Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs. (laughs) I never get sick of it. Hello, everybody. Uh, That recitative was brought to us by Andrew Byrne. This podcast is brought to you by Mark and Sarah. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as always, with my inimitable co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Hello there, Sarah. <laughs> um, Mark, I believe I was told that there would be some hot Mariah. <laughs> Please tell us what's up, gonna... what's up for this week's episode. Can you soldier on bravely, even if there isn't any? We'll see. Uh-huh. It is kind so... of cold out here. So I have been wanting to do a Mariah Carey episode for many moons because I have, though, lost touch with Mariah's music uh, ever since uh, whatever album came after The Emancipation of Mimi. Oh, the wonderfully titled E equals MC squared, where, of course, the MC stands for Mariah Carey. And she, through the titling of that album, relates herself both to Einstein and the theory of relativity, neither here nor there. Anyway, so from that album on, I've stopped listening. But there was a time in my life when Mariah Carey was so important to me that I had a mixtape called More Mariah Than You Can Shake a Stick At. And when my Walkman got stolen on the school bus when I was in eighth grade, that tape was in it. And I just remember mostly thinking, whoever stole that, I hope they appreciate how good that tape is. Anyway, <laughs> but we've never done a Mariah episode. And then I uh, was, of course, like so many intrigued horrified put on turned off i don't know Wait, didn't we by... didn't we drag her in the holiday songs episode last year oh yeah that's no we actually i praised her in the holiday songs oh episode yes because i that's really right. like all i want it was ex tina who yes oh my god Ugh. yes <laughs> let's not dwell um, on it sorry with her like terrible light dance version of a christmas song anyway but uh then mariah carey just on this most recent new year's eve tried to redeem her performance from last year's New Year's <laughs> Eve where the backing track went all crappy. And, you know, she she got up there and she made a point of letting everyone know that even though there was no tea and she had been promised tea, she was going to bravely sing along anyway. And I was like, you know, Mariah, at this point, she's become such a cultural joke, honestly. I mean, she is just a – she a fool. She a fool. She a fool. <laughs> And her last album was called, and I quote, Me, I Am Mariah, The Elusive Chanteuse. That was the name of her last album. All of those words together. (laughs) Me, I Am Mariah, The Elusive Chanteuse. Um, Okay. Good girl. You're about half right. There's some some fake news in there, for sure. Exactly. And so it's and also, you know, no matter how much tea she drinks, the voice is gone. It's never coming back. She can she sounds terrible all the time. She didn't know how to take care of her voice or either either that or the Lord was just like, I've had it with you and she took it back. <laughs> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I mean so, I, I, but then, I think that's an excellent theory. Oh my god. <laughs> I've had it the with Lord, you. God looked down and she was just like, nope, took it back. But here's the thing. Before Mariah Carey became 
the living parody of herself, the over-the-top, willfully clueless, willfully diva joke that she is now. There was a time when Mariah Carey became famous for having skill, and I thought it would be interesting to listen to one of her older songs, personally one of my favorite of her older songs, and then talk about that song, talk about her early career, and talk about now, and just see and just see where we go. So the song I've chosen is called Emotions. It is the title song from her second album, Emotions, and it is quite famously her fifth consecutive number one single. All five of her first five singles went to number one. No one else in history has ever done that. The Jackson Five had their first four songs go to number one, but Mariah went to number one with her first five. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about why I chose this particular track after we hear a clip. child now see at this point mariah carey was 20 i think when she recorded this song in the studio and this video to god she is a baby like she's a child and one of the things that i just find so astonishing about this song and i tried to pick a clip that would demonstrate it is the vocal range there's the whistle notes there's the deep low notes and she just makes it all sound so effortless like she's just out there and at the very end of the song she laughs like she's kind of like ha 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 you can't do that bye and (laughs) and this this song is an obvious homage to best of my love by the emotions and it was co-written and produced by clavillis and cole of cnc music factory so this song is also like a perfect encapsulation of what 1991 sounded like oh god for real. But Sarah, the reason I chose this song is I find this song to just be it's like I really enjoy it as a as a catchy little dance tune, but it's also just to me such a perfect time capsule of the reason like this to to my ear and I'm I'm I know this sounds hyperbolic, but I'm pretty serious. Like this vocal performance on this song, I think probably had a huge impact on the next 25 years of female pop singers. I just think there's something about this vocal that's so technically astonishing that i just felt like we should talk about it uh i had not heard this song in probably 20 years uh mariah and her output were things that i just have historically not cared about um she here's a here's my favorite factoid about mariah she's my size she's like 5'10 
and I mean, she probably doesn't weigh as much as I do. Maybe she does now. No, no shade. Um, but I always thought that was so funny that she looks like this. She just has this like, um, poodle persona, but she's like a standard poodle. Like she's, she's a big dog and she's not staying on the porch at all. Um, you referred to her as at one point earlier this week as stealth giant. <laughs> yes, she's a she's stealth tall. Um, and then of course she's wearing those like six inch um, Manolos as required by law in her job. Um, first of all, it's amazing to me that this was ninety one. Like you forget just how long she's been with us. Like yes, more than half of our lives basically. Um, and the like this is just joyous this performance is like she's feeling herself but not in an obnoxious way she's just happy uh, to be singing about being happy and her evident joy it's not even pride it's just like look at what i can do yes It's, it's not arrogant it's not mean it's just like look what i can do i don't care for the dolphin notes i like i would be happy I would take her word that she could do it I don't think they actually add anything usually but here when she does it it just seems like she's a 20 year old girl who's like just super excited about being in love and like sneaking off to fuck her boyfriend in the summertime wearing a little gingham crop top like fuck yeah I'm with that yes and then the way that she can drop down so fast and have that like whiskey alto happening at the same time. Oh. I mean, like ring the bell because school's fucking in. I think it's great. Um, I kind of feel like I didn't realize I missed this song. And especially like as we record this, it's the middle of January. It like the shit is bleak. It's the high today was what? 25. Yeah. If that Kelvin, um, so it's like to just see her in her convertible shot in that like warm black and white, the way they shot fucking literally everything for two years on MTV. Uh, and yes. just like bugging out and her hair is still all curly. She wasn't doing whatever that thing is that she does to it now that makes her look like a Barbie. She's just happy. And this is a perfect distillation. This song of what it's like to be young and to actually appreciate that you are at the top of your uh, like powers of allurement on every level. Like, yes, I feel like I did not appreciate being 20. I feel like I did not fully, like I did not occupy the power lane of being 20 when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, she's just driving in it with the top down and the music turned all the way up. Like, fuck you and it's like and you're sort of like that's annoying oh hey that looks really fun like i don't know this is great and it makes me it it put me in mind a little bit of um that that whitney documentary and like that yes that we talked about on one of our uh special for patrons only episodes which if you want to hear it just go to patreon.com and become a patron yeah it's uh it's well worth your money in my uh biased opinion but yeah there's that um i mean anyone who's seen the documentary knows what i'm talking about that she's clearly like whitney is about to will herself like she's just going to try to throw herself over this wall 
of the key change and I will always love you. And the glory note is like that. She's like, I can see it from here, but it's like the moon. How would I even get there? Right. And it's so sad. I mean, it's devastating opening to this movie, but it's so sad. And I, I think of that, like that now Mariah's brand is to complain about how she's not, she's, she doesn't have optimal conditions, but it's like, you could be like fumigated with tea in a humidifier in space and you're still never going to hit those notes again or anything close. Like you're not even a soprano anymore. You had like, right. you killed it. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's sad to me. Like we all get to a certain age or various ages actually where we look back and we're like, okay, the, the things that I used to be able to do, I, I can't do the power that I used to have in certain ways is gone. Like you, you have more wisdom, you have other kinds of powers, but like there's a specific like 20 year oldness to this song. And I wonder if she ever looks at this video and is like, who even is that person? It it has to be a little bit difficult for, yeah. for her to, to still be, you know, like that's just another life and I get it, but it, I enjoy going back to it and I hope she is able to take some, Joy in the fact that at least at that time, she seemed completely aware of how awesome everything was for her and how awesome she was at doing what she did. Yeah. And it's a good, oh it's my a gosh. good break. It's a little bit long, the song, but it's good. But I, mean, I feel like I that it. is also 91 for you because everything that was up-tempo was geared toward the club in a way that like... We've got to have that club mix inherent inside everything. Mm-hmm. But I just remember also, I, I agree with basically everything you just said. And going back to that sense of the joy in this song, I do feel like, I remember at the time this song being dissed for being a ripoff of Best of My Love. And now I look back on it and I think, actually, no, it is very hard to make a song that is this buoyant. Like, there is... There are plenty of up-tempo songs that work for what this song gets, but never get there. And I think that the the joy of her vocal, the ease and the lightness of the beat behind it, there's just the whole thing just gurgles and bounces in just the right way. And it does. It's a song that makes you feel free. I, it's, it's just a very freeing, joyous song that always makes me happy. And I totally agree with what you're saying, that there's something about hearing someone who's just not showing off but also not embarrassed by her voluminous skill that is very satisfying and like especially from a young woman yeah like that's the that's where that album title should have been like this is me yeah all 78 octaves check it out like look how cool this is i just think i think it's great and it's rare Well, and you know, another thing that's easy to forget about Mariah Carey is that she, for better or worse, does actually write her material. And uh, if you've listened to a lot of her music, as I have, you do notice that there are certain structural things in her songs that happen over and over and over again. Like, there are always just sort of Mariah traits of songwriting. There's a tendency to have um, really unusual vocabulary in the songs, for instance, and then there's a tendency to have verses. She writes verses that tend to be long run-on thoughts that then jump into choruses. Like there's 
there's just a quality to her writing that makes it clear that it's her. And I respect that, that I don't think that a lot of her music has been that great for quite some time. But guess what? A lot of people lose the mojo. <clears throat> Even Nobel Prize winner Bob Dylan has released quite a few albums in his dotage that are terrible. So <laughs> I just I feel like that whatever she has become, there is so much that Mariah Carey did that in retrospect, I and listen, I'm not going to get out here and tell you that she's writing the most sophisticated music. And I think a lot of times Mariah Carey is guilty of singing with power and without nuance and that she will hit these notes and there's no reason for them in the storytelling of the song and i think that she airs on the side of loud instead of airing ever on the side of nuance but like whatever mariah carey has something very specific going on that i find at moments to be incredibly appealing and this is definitely one of them yeah and i i don't see that tendency here like in songs from like the hero era that's all she oh uh, y- that's that's actually the song that I was thinking She's about. She's just like power washing your eardrums, and it's like yes. I'm good. I used a cute to okay. Here we go. Like she's or just that like, song, yeah. um, one sweet day with her and boys to men, and it's just oh, screaming God. at each other for five and a half minutes. <laughs> God, I hate that. That's song. Exa- God. I I don't like that song at all either. Uh, but this did seem, even if she had been like coached in the booth to provide like a simulacrum of uh, like nuance or like tonal control. It, it worked like whatever someone else told her, but I don't get that sense. Like I've also never gotten the sense that she's just like some voice that they give her material and they're like, you know, get, go ahead, little pony. Run. She doesn't just do what she's told. Yeah, she shows up with her own ideas. Like she has, she doesn't just have a voice. She has an ear. And if this is, I mean, this, I think this is an homage, but you can, like, you can hear the dialogue between the two songs easily. Mm -hmm. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that that's not her because I think that's a little, if, if you don't have an ear for this and you don't understand how musical narrative is supposed to be is supposed to be or how it's supposed to unfold at least in some way you're not going to be able to create that dialogue between two songs at 20 years old probably right i don't know anything about her like childhood training or anything like that but it's pretty sophisticated what she's doing and as you said it's harder than it looks to just distill that joy that sensual joy and and you know across five octaves no less so yeah so thumbs up well i'm so glad to have uh, i'm glad that you enjoyed revisiting this one because i have to say i kind of have had it on a loop since i i landed on it and oh did you have a chance to listen to the the mtv unplugged version yes, that i yes i did I did. The reason that I sent that to you, and I would say to listeners, it is on YouTube and it's on Spotify and it's on Apple Music. The MTV Unplugged version of this song is exciting to me because you hear what I think you were just talking about, Sarah, which is you hear her making different vocal choices in the song that says to me that she actually does know exactly what's up. She oh, knows yeah. what kind of song this is. She know what she knows what kind of tradition she's in. She's making really smart vocal choices in that performance. Yeah. No, I agree. It's um. It's a less, like, it feels more Motown and less of that, like, very 1991 produced 
drum machine. Like the yes. production is just like nicer for to my ear to listen to because it sounds less like over digitized. Yes, um, I agree. The, the the warmth of real instruments really means a lot for that uh, yeah. song. Yeah, and like I don't think she was sweetened at all really in the original track, but the backing track, like it's the CNC Music Factory guys, and you know, you pretty much know what that sounds right. like. It sounds like um, a hypercolor T-shirt, <laughs> basically. Um, <laughs> but that sense of joy is still there, and the fact that she's basically doing it like live to tape is impressive and but there's still that sense of uh unalloyed undefensive confidence it has a little more of a top note of etta james to it i think mm-hmm. which is partly that it's a more motowny sound but partly that whatever other shit was going on and if you have etta james greatest hits on on your um ipod you know that there was always some fucking thing usually involving someone getting married to someone who was not her <laughs> which which makes it ironic that everyone has at last <laughs> as their wedding song totally in yes. my opinion but you know what etta james never um couldn't count on was her voice um so i like i liked that i don't think it was like a conscious nod to etta james but i liked being reminded that Etta James at her lowest, like basically drunk on the church steps while everyone she ever boned is getting married in a like Mooney ceremony to other women. <laughs> but she's like, however, I can still sing and I can sing loud enough to, to, you know, remove your eyes from their sockets. And now I'm going to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, mm. I would recommend, I think they're, they're pretty similar, which is which is kind of amazing. Like, yeah, that's a really for good point. An unplugged, never... but they're, de- it's definitely worthwhile just for the comparison and, you know, to see that she can really do it. And you talking about the men in Etta James's life reminds me too, that there was this whole thing around Mariah Carey when she was married to Tommy Mottola and everyone was just like, uh, oh, the God, misogynistic yeah. response of course was she's just his puppet. Right. Right. I mean, and she was like 19, 20 years old and married to this guy who was in his late 40s who discovered her. So who knows? But one of the things that I think is also worth mentioning about Mariah Carey is that for all of the bullshit that she is constantly serving us now, she does seem to be the progenitor of that bullshit. Like Mariah Carey seems to have gotten a handle on her life, even though I don't want any part of it. I will say she didn't get chewed up by the machine in the way that some so many stars of the 80s george michael whitney houston at all were chewed up you know like i i will say i have no interest in what mariah carey is doing anymore but i will at least say hey well you know what mariah you're doing it on your own terms it seems to me as best i can tell so good for you yeah it does seem like she may have friends that she has known like since that video i have i have no yeah. basis for this but i just feel like she's not one of those people who's surrounded by like five foot two ladies named Stacy, each of them holding a different small dog. Like I, I just, that she she still knows her girls from around the way, at least some of them. Yes. And that they watch her. They're like all home in their pajamas with their kids and they watch the ball drop and they're like watching the show and they have like side bets on (laughs) what stupid shit she's going to do. And then they told her, totally tell her about it at brunch. 
I'm yes. apparently writing fanfic about Mariah Carey. Hi. <laughs> we knew it was gonna. We knew this day was coming. I know. And here it is. Well, uh, thank you for bringing me back in time to this um, to this joyous moment in Miss Carey's career before she became a baritone like me. <laughs> well, and Sarah, here's what I will say: you've got me feeling emotions as well, all positive. Oh. This is Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus. So until next time, thanks for listening. Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk, Mark and Sarah talk about songs. Talk about songs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.